everyone, welcome back to another season of the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast and another season of Formula One together as a whole. I am your host, Chris Cato. Thank you so much for joining us again for another season and what promises to be a really exciting time for Formula One and hopefully we're going to get as good of a season as we did in 2021. I'm so glad to be joined also by my fellow Backmarker, Backmarkers F1 show co-host Tyler McDonald and Shaker Barty returning after a couple of months off enjoying the offseason. I hope you boys had a good time away from Formula One, but it's time to get back into business. So how are you guys doing? I'm doing great, Chris. It's uh, exciting to see the absolute craziness we're going to see this year because no one has any idea what's going to happen this year uh we will certainly touch on that uh, in this podcast but uh what a time to be an f1 fan i think this is going to be one of the most unpredictable seasons yet um and that's just because we have all new brand new cars all all 10 teams have brand new cars changes are happening day to day you know hour to hour almost during preseason testing so lots to keep up on and I'm sure there will be lots of innovations happening down the future. Yeah, it's super exciting season. I mean, we've been building up to this for almost two years now, I want to say. Just the excitement we've had for the new changes to come around. And for it to po- finally be here is kind of unbelievable. Like, we've been, you know, we were just right before we came on, we were talking about how this is the fifth year of the podcast. And, you know, big changes coming through. Uh, but yeah, like last last season's uh, last season was unpredictable because of the race winners. Now it's unpredictable because we honestly, like Tyler said, have no idea what's going to happen. There's just you know, like Mercedes, we're going to find out what what what's going to actually happen with our car. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm glad you brought up that uh, fifth year, I guess, anniversary we can call it for our uh, not just the podcast, but just the creation of uh, this channel in general and. Five years later, here we are, roughly about 7,000 subscribers on YouTube and a bunch more followers on, on Spotify and all the audio platforms. So, yeah, just before we start into our season preview, uh, just some couple quick quick housekeeping notes on that. Of course, thank you to everybody who uh, has been subscribing and listening to our podcast and watching our other videos. So make sure that you stay tuned to our channel this year. We've got plenty of great things to come. I just wanted to point a couple of things out to you, some new things on the channel. If you go to the homepage of our YouTube channel, you'll notice that there is a membership section now as well so for a small little amount if you want to support the channel you can pay monthly and you get some extra special content and perks we're going to be adding a couple of newer levels as well so the more you pay the more you're going to get from us personally so we're just trying to do a couple of things to connect more with the fans and of course we've got all of our donation links as well if you really appreciate our work and you want to see this small channel grow you can donate to us directly which helps the growth of our channel and enables us to do more videos and then of course our sponsor as well for the podcast for 2022 the gp box is returning for another season so we've got plenty of discount links in the description below that you can check out as well so just a couple of housekeeping notes but we wanted to just say a quick thanks again and appreciation for everybody who's going to be watching and who has been watching us for the past five years so thank you to that on today's episode we're going to be previewing the 2022 season and we're not going to be uh, getting too much in depth into all of the happenings of the 2022 season considering that we're really only a few days away actually from the first race of the season but what we're going to do is we're going to basically go through our predictions for 2022 who do we think is going to be the top 10 who do we think is going to end up being the driver's world champion and some other interesting things as well so just to start off in general though for the conversation Tyler and I'll begin with you 
what are some of the things that you're looking forward to the most? Obviously, you touched on in the beginning the excitement of the new era, of the new generation of cars, but are there maybe a few things in particular that you're really looking out for ahead of this 2022 season? I think the main thing that maybe everyone's looking forward to is can these cars follow? That's what's been hyped throughout uh, the last two years is that we're going to have the best racing we've ever had. And uh, you know, I want them to make sure that promise that they do have the best racing that we've ever had in F1. So can these cars actually follow? I know a lot of, a lot of the drivers are saying that it is better, but there are a few that say that it was similar to last season as well. So um, may come down to how people, how different teams have designed their cars and maybe some will be better at following than others. And that'll be some innovations that they'll have to do throughout the year. But that's the big thing for me is can we see closer racing and also can we see the grid be closer together between the top teams and the bottom teams um, during preseason testing? It seemed that way. You know, we've had some surprises up top and some prizes down below and uh, all in between. So I hope this brings a whole field together. Uh, I'd love to see more than four or five, four constructors win a, a race this year. Uh, five or six would be phenomenal. And you mean, to have all 10 on the podium would be a dream, of course. Uh, highly unlikely, but you can always dream on a perfect scenario. So that's the two things I'm really looking forward to. Shaker? Yeah, I think you said it best. I'm very excited to see more wheel-to-wheel racing and more closer racing this season. And that's what's been promised to us. And, you know, we got we were very lucky last season to have and watch the close wheel-to-wheel racing we did. But I think that's the biggest thing. I just I wanna I wanna see and you know top three four constructors. I want to see all the teams fighting it out. Um, I, I think you know what my big what, beside the real to real racing. What I'm most excited about is the kind of the rebuild for some of the lower place teams. The last few years, like Williams, you know they're com- a completely brand new team, new owners. They put all their money. Uh, towards the building for this year. Haas, uh, the reliability looks better, which was their biggest issue the last few years. Very Also very excited for K-Mag to be back. That's that's huge. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm like almost with every team. I'm I'm very excited to see what Alpine does with, uh, with Alonso. He looked very comfortable in that car. So yeah, and you know, just the whole resurgence of Albon. So it's just very exciting for, you know, all the lower teams in the last few years to kind of have to come back and, have these newer, younger drivers and you know newer cars that they have to get to play around with, and I think for and the other thing is just they're going to be building all season. It's not you know every three or four races where they're going to be getting upgrades. You know they're going to be building all season as they go. So it's going to be very exciting to see how we go from the beginning to the end of the season and where all the cars line up. That's a good point. Just at the end there, Shaker, which was really what one of the main things I was looking out for. I, I agree with what you guys said as well. Just, you know, can these cars follow? Are we going to get better racing up and down the grid? Some of the new drivers and, and the, obviously the rookie as well. But that's the big question for me, too, is with these new regulations, what sort of big surprises are we going to get? I mean, we've already had a new term enter the Formula One vocabulary of porpoising. For, for 2022, which people didn't really know what that was just a few weeks ago. So are there going to be any other surprises with these new regulations? I mean, during race conditions, if a driver gets floor damage, for example, how much will that affect his race? Will he have to retire right away? Will the porpoising that we've seen some, some, from some of these cars affect them so much that they'll have to retire from a couple of these early races? And then, like you said, Shaker, too, by the time we get to the middle 
point of the season, certainly the end as well, the cars might look totally different to what they uh, resemble right now. So the development race is going to be very exciting and much more aggressive than it was obviously last season because it's not a carryover year. It's a totally new generation. So with the start of every new era comes a chance for a fresh start. And I'm really hoping that some of these, like you said, backmarker teams will able will be able to improve, but we'll see what happens in the end. So with that being said, then we can get directly right into our predictions. We're not going to waste any more time. And <laughs> this is so hard to to predict. It's really just kind of a toss. I think at the front of the grid, it's a little bit easier to predict. But then after, when you get into the fourth and fifth and sixth best teams, it's really a toss-up. So, Tyler, I'll, I'll kick it back to you again to start. And I'll give you the floor to give us your top 10 constructor standings predictions by the time we get to our season recap podcast all the way in November of 2022. Who do you think is going to win it all? Well, do you want me to go 10 to 1 or 1 to 10? Now, how suspenseful do we want this? I, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, However you uh, want. I think we should go 10 to 1. 10 to 1? Okay. 10 to 1? Okay. okay. Actually, no, no, no. Uh, because, no. Hold on. We should go 1 to 10 just because like 6 to 10, we have no idea. So I want to see what those answers are going to be at the very end. I've got no idea in general. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, and I'm excited to see how wrong my predictions are going to be at the end of the season. Um, I don't know if there's anyone who can fully predict what's going to happen this year. Um, you know, even the experts, and we're definitely not experts. We're fans that, uh, you know, we strive this podcast on being for the fans uh, and definitely not, you know, I'm not an aerospace engineer. I have no idea what I'm talking about. Porpoising is a new word for me. Um, I didn't know that word existed. So I, like all that stuff. I wanted Jacob. to add on the porpoising. I want to see how that's going to affect an MLL where they do have, where it was a huge issue uh, the first year that they went. So I want to see how that's going to ha- what's going to happen in Imola. I also want to add on the porpoising quickly. Uh, and I don't know if anyone's talked about it. We're getting off topic here, but I don't know if anyone's talked <laughs> about good. it. But wet weather running, there wasn't much of it. But if you're having porpoising during wet weather running in your back end bottoms out or stalls out, whatever they call it, uh, is that going to lead to aquaplaning? Is that going to lead to cars you know, spinning out on the straight? That might be something um to keep an eye on again i have no idea if that's even possible i'm not an aerospace engineer i'm not a, a mechanical engineer i'm not an engineer in general i'm not very smart uh, <laughs> but it's an idea that pops into my little mind that uh, might be an issue so if there are smart people out there maybe let me know that if that could be an issue in the future okay enough about purpose <laughs> <laughs> uh, no this is a good question though <laughs> continue um so starting at number 10 and i feel bad because um you know, this driver, uh, you know, had such a, you know, a, an easy go. Uh, well, I shouldn't say an easy go, but he had such a great ride for the last few years. And he's in a new team this year. And Alfa Romeo, I have at the bottom of the list. And I'm not sure if how many people will have them at the bottom of the list. But my biggest issue, and yes, they had a better Bahrain test than they did in uh, Spain. Uh, but I still didn't see much out of them uh, i know Bottas had a nice lap on the c3s at the end of the session i think it was day three he did that on uh, which is great but i mean a lot of technical issues um they just don't seem to have that extra edge i love their new livery um but yeah so i have alfa romeo at 10 uh number nine maybe a surprise uh is alpine i, I really think they're behind the eight ball uh it doesn't seem like they have a, a lot of stuff going forward for them um again I'll probably be completely wrong. It's Fernando Alonso. I'm sure he'll find a way to win, but it just seems that uh, they didn't really do anything to impress me during uh, their six days of testing. 
number eight, I have Williams F1 team. Um, again, building on momentum from last year, uh, they seem to have some solid results in testing. But of course, that uh, big fire from Nicholas Latifi is a, a worrying issue. And I might have had them higher up on my list if there wasn't that fire. But it seemed that they just couldn't figure out the small little components that or they did figure it out, but you know, that that's a big issue that you're going to have to to figure out with your rear brake system. So um, reliability is kind of on the question for Williams for me. Uh, number seven, I have Haas all the way up at number seven. I was really, really impressed with them and I was debating putting them higher, but I think it's going to be so close in the midfield that, you know, it's going to come down to some driver experience. Yeah. Awesome. They have Kevin Magnuson back, uh, Mick Schumacher in his second year. Um, but you know, they really impressed me. Some of the runnings I did now, I know some of it may be, uh, disproportionate because they got to do it after, uh, in better track conditions an hour later than everyone else. But I still think it's something to keep in mind. I think over long-term uh, runnings, they were about three tenths behind the fastest car. So, I mean, that's a lap, I should say, uh, which is very, very good if you're considering uh, from what Haas has come from. So I have Haas at number seven. At number six, I have Aston Martin. Um, I thought that they had a quiet test uh, test session. Um but nothing, nothing too spectacular. We've seen this in the past from them where they have quiet test sessions and all of a sudden they come out with a blazing fast car. So maybe that will be the case. But for what I've seen from testing, I have them at number six. Uh, number five, I have Alpha Tauri. I thought that they had a, a couple of very good sessions. Pierre Gasly looks phenomenally quick. I think the biggest issue there uh, will be Yuki Tsunoda. And I, I don't want to be uh, a downcast on him, but he didn't show me as much talent as Pierre Gasly last season. And same in testing this year, uh, you know, Pierre Gasly really seems to have the upper edge on that team. And I think it's going to be very important uh, that Yuki Tsunoda, if AlphaTauri wants to climb higher up than fifth, will need to have a very good season as well. Uh, number four, I have McLaren. I know they had a really good start in, uh, in Spain, but they really kind of softened out in Bahrain. Obviously, Daniel Ricciardo with COVID. It's going to take him maybe a couple of races to get back used to the car again. Um, you know, Lando Norris is going to have a great start to the season, got 200 and something laps in, in Bahrain. Uh, but they did have some issues, of course, in Bahrain compared to their phenomenal tests in Spain. So kind of have me a little bit worried, and that's why they're not higher. At number three, I have Mercedes. Uh, so, I'm, you know, not in the top two, not number one. Mercedes at number three for me. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how they're going to figure out their really bad porpoising issue. And now they've gone for the very aggressive vertical side pods rather than the horizontal side pods. It's something we haven't seen since the 80s, I think is what it is, uh, which is really, really interesting to see. And I think I was uh, watching something where they said, you know, even the, the higher ups at F1 did not think anyone would go down this development route. So it's completely out of nowhere. That And, you know, it could work out for them or it could be their downfall. We'll see. But I just... I think there's two stronger teams in them. And at number two, I have Red Bull Racing, which means my constructor's champion is Ferrari. So I think that Ferrari showed so much potential in, and consistency in the six days of F1 testing that I, that's enough for me to put them over Red Bull. I think it's going to be a very close battle between those two. Uh, but in the end, I'm going to give the edge to reliability. And Ferrari had zero issues for the most part, during all six days, they had the most laps run. They were consistent. The car looked the most stable. I think they just did a phenomenal job uh, engineering that car. So for me, it has Ferrari as your constructor's champion. 
Well done. That was uh, that was really really good there. Thank you, thank um, you. I try, I try to make it sound like I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think you did a pretty good <laughs> job. Let us know in the comments. That's for sure. Yeah, that's right. Sounds good. I think we're all pretty much on the same page. So I will go next in that case then. And I wanted to just quickly mention something uh, just relating to our discussion just a few minutes ago at the top of the show. The other thing too that I like or look that I look forward to in this season, but we're already seeing it with these cars is just how good the cars look. I was a little bit worried with all the computer renders that we were seeing last season and even early on, but the cars look phenomenal. Every single one, the variety of designs, it's very, very cool to see. So I just wanted to throw that in there as uh, you were discussing some of the side pod designs. I remembered I wanted to say that. So, okay, moving on to then my top 10 constructor standings. Like I said, not very much different from you, Tyler, because I've also got Alfa Romeo in 10th. And I hope that in the case of the back markers here, of course, we know in the sport, somebody has to finish in last. My hope is that even though Alfa Romeo finishes last, they'll still be competitive and scoring points. You know, it's my hope that every single team this year will be able to score points on multiple different occasions. So I think the fight there is going to be really, really interesting. Very curious how Guan Yu Zhou will get along too with, uh, not, not in terms of getting along with Valtteri Bottas, but with the new car and Formula One in general, and how well he's going to do. Because I think that there, even with the financial backing he's got, there are other junior drivers looking to get his seat as well. So I've got Alfa Romeo in 10th. And then in ninth, I've got Williams. And as much as I'd like to see maybe Williams obviously get back to the front of the grid or even a little bit further, I still think that they're going to be a little bit a ways away from the front end of the midfield. They had a really good Barcelona test. Unfortunately, in Bahrain, like you said, Tyler had that issue with the brakes that not only limited their running on that day, but then the next day as well. So they really, really suffered a lot. They look okay. You know, it's not, not like they look bad or anything. But I just think that some of the other teams have done a better job and that they're going to be out in front ahead a little bit there. Uh, but I am excited to see Alex Albon back and uh, hopefully he'll be scoring some points for the team as well as Nicholas Latifi. And then moving on into eighth place, I have Alpine as well. I'm on the same page as you, Tyler. I'm not really trusting Alpine this season. It's not looking very, very good just from the start of testing. They've looked quick at certain times in Barcelona and in Bahrain as well. I mean, I know Fernando Alonso set a really fast time on one of the softer compounds of tires in one of the final days of testing. But they've also gone with a pretty aggressive engine design as well in which they favored performance over reliability and I think that we've kind of seen that already in the first six days of winter testing that the reliability is becoming a bigger and bigger issue so to me I think we know Renault in the past have had big big problems with reliability so if they've tried to be more performance instead of reliability and not the two together they're going to suffer this season and they're just not looking to me like they're a team that's going to be necessarily right at the top like we thought they possibly could be with this rule change so i've got alpine in eighth and then moving on into seventh i've got Haas as well i think i like what i saw from Haas early in the season despite obviously all the troubles that they've had with reliability and other issues as well um you know it's a shame with what happened to to nikita mazepin i, I wish that would have been handled a lot better and i think you know, he had a contract for the second year. I was interested to see how he would have fared against Schumacher again, but I am excited to see Kevin Magnussen back in the sport and pretty shocking to see him back just at the side. But the rumor up and down the paddock is that Haas have actually really designed and built a good car. And just for reference, Mick Schumacher's fastest lap that he set on the extra hour of running was actually two tenths quicker than his Q1 lap in 2021 Bahrain Grand Prix qualifying 
which really says a, a great deal about just how much Haas has improved over a 12-month period. And it just shows that I think these cars were going to be quicker than they were last year almost by, by the looks of it. So that's a really big jump from Haas. I don't think it's going to be so massive for them that they're going to be back at 2018 levels of success, for example. But I do think they're going to be really competitive this year and getting closer to the likes of Aston Martin and Alpine. So I think Haas is going to have a pretty good resurgence season. And then moving on into sixth, I have Aston Martin as well. And the team that really was the quietest during preseason testing, I mean, didn't really do many crazy performance runs where they lit up the timesheets, but just kind of went about their business, had a few issues in terms of reliability in Barcelona, but I think they've been able to figure that out. And so Stroll and Vettel really just went about their business, which is kind of typical of the you know old Racing Point uh, Force India teams as well. They never really kind of made the headlines during testing. So I think Aston Martin is going to fit in there in that sixth place. And then fifth, I'm going with the team who I think is the dark horse this year to be extremely successful, and that is Alpha Tauri. I think Alpha Tauri hasn't showed their true performance just yet. And I think that this is going to be a very, very quick car. They've gone with some of their own design methods, different to Red Bull. Of course, they do inherit some parts, but they've gone in terms of a slightly different direction than Red Bull. I think Gasly's been looking really, really quick. The only thing is, is that they had some pretty severe porpoising issues at times in Bahrain. I think a lot of you guys must have seen, you know, Pierre Gasly's head <laughs> bouncing up and down when he was going down the main straight. But I think they'll be able to figure that, those issues out. And I think Alpha Tauri will be very, very quick this year. So they're my dark horse. And I think actually my favorite livery as well, too. So I'll, I'll throw that in there, um, too. So moving on into fourth place, then I have McLaren. After Barcelona, McLaren were looking like a team possibly maybe worthy of the top three. And then, of course, they had the brake issues in Bahrain, which it didn't necessarily change my opinion of how they're going to shape up in the pecking order this season. But I do think that McLaren still is a little bit on the outside looking in of challenging for the championship. But I think Lando Norris is going to have another really successful season with plenty of podiums. And I'm interested to see how Daniel Ricciardo will be able to regain or excuse me, will be able to rebound after a struggling of 2021. And I also think that McLaren is probably the team that has best figured out that porpoising issue so that might bring some early season success for them while the other rivals catch up and then getting into my top three it is almost identical to yours Tyler I do have Mercedes in p3 as well I know that a lot of people are thinking that they're sandbagging in the preseason testing and of course all the comments from Hamilton saying that they're not even a race winner yet and that they're going to be behind and all these types of things I know that they've said that in plenty of seasons past and they've won eight straight constructors titles, but I do think that this year it is slightly different. I do think they are struggling and they're probably not at the moment right now a championship contender. I do think that they'll get there within, you know, maybe half a season or less because, you know, their innovation is pretty quick and they've got plenty of smart people working there. But the side pod design is going to be really interesting because uh, Gunter Steiner of Haas was saying that that's the concept that they initially thought of. But then they went with the wide side pod design, much like some other teams, and they think that that is going to be the successful type of design. So have Mercedes got it wrong? We don't know, but they're certainly struggling quite a bit, as we saw from Hamilton and Russell in testing. So I put them in third place. And then in second, I have Ferrari as my uh, P2 in the constructor standings. Like you said, Tyler, the most successful team of winter testing, no problems. 
very smooth running. And I think that Ferrari are going to have a lot of early season success because they don't seem to have some of these issues that the other teams are having. The car is very well behaved. It's very well balanced. And I think that will help them in the early part of the season. But I do think that ultimately they will lose out as a constructor to Red Bull because I think Red Bull um, just being the defending drivers champions and being close to a constructors championship last year I think they're in a better position to win the constructors championship but it is going to be a little bit different when it gets to my drivers championship prediction so I'm going to be interested to see what you guys have to say for that but that is my top 10 constructor standings and of course finally last but not least Shaker turn the mic over to you and uh, let us know what you think top 10 will be this season. All right, so I thought I had similar predictions to you guys, which I do, but I won bold difference, and uh, I, 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 I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna say why. Um, so you know, same as you guys, number ten, I have Alfa Romeo. Uh, they just don't look that great of a team so far this year, and it's just Valtteri and you know new drivers and new season, so they're just gonna take a little bit of adjustment. I I could see them, uh, you know. Uh, challenging who I think is going to be the number nine team is Williams, you know, very similar to you guys. Um, I, I honestly had a very hard time deciding between the top, uh, the, the the bottom five constructors teams from last year, uh, just to put them in place. And I, I think it's going to be very tight between Alpha Williams um, and uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. I think it might change around. Uh, and then I have number eight Haas. Um, reliability looks really good. Excited to see K Mag back in the seat. Uh, I think they're gonna, you know, break some top ten positions. Maybe not every race, but uh, I see them getting some points to, uh, you know, and like you said, Chris, not as be as successful as twenty eighteen uh, for a hot season. But I, I think they're gonna make a decent comeback. Um, number seven, I have Aston Martin. Uh, just haven't seen too much from them this season uh from from uh from testing to really put them into place but i think with vettel uh with vettel i think they'll be in a good spot he looks a little bit more confident this year in the car and you know Vettel he always performs better in his second season um so yeah and you know it's uh we'll see how it goes uh the number six <laughs> so these next three are like different for you guys <laughs> <laughs> So number six, I have AlphaTauri. Uh, Pierre Gasly looks very strong this year, uh, as he did last year as well. So I, I expect him to take a majority of the points for AlphaTauri, uh, with uh, you know with a huge support role from. Uh, oh my God, what's the driver's name? Sonoda. Sonoda. That's that's what I'm looking for. Um, yeah. So you know, support driver Sonoda, and he looked much better at the end of last season than he did probably you know wh- what he was going through in the midseason. Sorry, my dog moved and it did creep me out. <laughs> Make sure you leave that in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, number five and number four, I'm going to have to justify because that's the main difference for me. At number five, I have McLaren. Um, and I'm also going to give you guys my number four position just to just say why. I have Alpine in number four. So... The reason for this is 
A, I think McLaren's drivers, Danny Rick and Lando, are going to get each other's way this year and not be performing as a team uh, to get those constructors' points to bring them to the top four position. I think, you know, one driver is always going to perform better than the other. Uh, as, you know, as last season, they're going to be way too competitive to uh, get the constructors' points, I feel like. Uh, but I'm expecting huge performance from Danny Rick this season after he gets settled in the car. Uh, but I, I, I think they're going to be, they're way too competitive of drivers, uh, and they're way too similar drivers, uh, in terms of personality wise to, and I think they're going to get. Oh, you muted yourself. Fuck. Did I do that? <laughs> Go back like 10 seconds. Um, but, uh, that's why I, I think I have Alpine placed at number four. Cause I think both, um, Fernando Alonso and uh, Esteban Ocon worked really well together last season and, you know, uh, uh, did had their performances not just for themselves, but for the team. And, and you know, we, we saw in the last five races, they were, you know, gelling really well together. Um, yeah, I'm not too confident in the car yet, but I think the two drivers will pull through probably four or five races in and get the constructors points that they need. Probably not in the higher positions, but probably, you know, between five to ten to get them that constructors position spot. Uh, and then my top three is the exact same as uh, Chris, actually. So I have number three, Mercedes. Same thing. I just don't think they're there yet, but I think probably, um, I think they'll probably get there, you know, a quarter way through the season uh, with uh, with George and Lewis working together. Um, but I think it's getting, you know, the last half of the season is going to be very tight between Ferrari, Red Bull, and Mercedes. Uh, number two, I have Ferrari. And the reason for that is very similar to the McLaren reason. I think Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc, now that they've kind of got to know each other, and we all know how competitive Carlos Sainz does get when he gets comfortable in a car. So again, I think they're going to get in each other's way and not get those constructors points that they need for the team and going to be very, way more individual performance from both of them. Uh, Ferrari looks really good. So, you know, I, I would not be surprised if they end up taking both, uh, if they end up taking constructors in the end. But I think uh, the teamwork of Red Bull and Max and uh, Sergio is going to pull through for constructors because we saw how well uh, Sergio Press performed as that secondary driver to be the exact uh, driver that the team needed. And I think he's just so much more comfortable with the team and he knows what he can provide for them. So, yeah. All right, very good, very good. Well, we got all of our predictions in. And I guess really the main difference in all three of our predictions is Shaker's faith in Alpine and yeah. Tyler and I's lack of faith in Alpine. <laughs> That's really the only big difference. Alonso, specifically. Faith in Alonso. Fair enough. I do like your point, though, of the teamwork model. I don't think I really took that into consideration. I was more going with car performance, but that is a really good point that Ocon and Alonso do work really, really well together. So something I didn't take into consideration, but I think actually might jolt Alpine up the order a little bit. So uh, smart, smart uh, play by you, Shaker. Thank you. Yeah, and if, if, <laughs> that's honestly what a lot of the um, why I have McLaren, Alpine, and uh, Ferrari and Red Bull place, or I would probably my my order would have been the exact same as yours, mm -hmm. Tyler. But I think those are the reasons I ended up changing it around. Um, and I have same thing with Alphatari. I think I think they I would not be surprised if they end up. I have them placed at six, but I wouldn't be surprised if they get fifth this year either. 
I, th- I think that whole area of, of the midfield is going to be very, very close, as it's always kind of been in the last few years. But I think only just to, to wrap up on this section of the conversation, the one thing that has disappointed me about the preseason testing is it's clear that we're not going to get one of these teams in the midfield that's going to be this shock surprise and potentially a world championship contender, like in 2009, for example, right? Because, I mean, regardless of Alpine and Aston Martin and even McLaren, they've, they've looked good in their own times, but certainly not to a championship contending point. Now, I mean, I could be wrong. We could be in for a huge shock once we go into qualifying in Bahrain and the other races. But I think that the top three is still going to be the massive F1 juggernauts of Mercedes, Ferrari and Red Bull in any particular order. So... Yeah, those are our predictions. Uh, We'd like you to comment your top 10 constructors predictions down in the section below. And I'll tell you what, I'm going to throw this out there right now. If any one of you in the comment section nails the top 10 by the end of the season, we will send you a prize. Okay, so (laughs) (laughs) we we will not be eligible, us three, but we're probably not going to get them all right anyways. But uh, comment your top 10 predictions. And if you win, we will reassess that at the end of the season. Go back into the comment section and we will send you a prize. So definitely get on that and let your friends know as well i think there's like some sort of like 120 something different combinations like don't put 120 different combinations just right just do one (laughs) yeah please yeah good point (laughs) (laughs) although i wouldn't mind 120 different comments on the video that helps with the algorithm but (laughs) that's true (laughs) but yeah we'll, we'll try and keep it to to a minimum so that does it on our constructor standings. Now, just to finish off this season preview, we're going to give our driver's champion predictions. Now, we're not going to go through a 20-driver prediction phase because I think that's a little too much, but we are going to predict a driver's champion. And I'll kick off this topic here because I mentioned to you earlier that my constructor's championship standings are a little bit different because of who I think will be the driver's champion. And I was thinking about this and saying, okay, do I go with the conservative or the easy choice, which would be like a Verstappen, for example, or a Hamilton. But I'm going to say that my 2022 F1 driver's world champion will be Carlos Sainz of Ferrari. He will be the 2022 driver's champion. And we see a difference there, much like we saw last year. Different team winning the driver's championship versus winning the constructor's championship. And I believe that although maybe Red Bull with the new upgrade that they brought in Bahrain, they look faster. I do think that Ferrari at the moment just have the more complete package. And I think that over the season with the upgraded power unit, with the design philosophy that they've went with, which I think is going to be a winning philosophy, and also just the improvements Ferrari have made in the space of the last couple of years, I do think Sainz is going to be the world champion. He showed it plenty of times last season in his first year with Ferrari, just how strong he can be. I think he's going to even take that next step this season because he's going to have a car finally capable of winning races and fighting at the front. And why I don't think Ferrari will be the constructor's champion, to back off Shaker's topic about teammates working together, is I think that Carlos and Charles are going to get into a couple of tussles this season, far more than they did last year. And I think that that is going to lead them to losing a couple of points versus Red Bull, who with Perez and Verstappen, I think are going to work together excellently once again. So Carlos Sainz as my 2021 driver, or excuse me, 2022 driver's world champion. But I do believe that we are going to have a three-team fight for the championship this year. At least, fingers crossed, that's what I hope. No, I I, uh, I hope so too, Chris. And um, you know, 
going back to my constructors predictions, I had Ferrari winning the constructors title. And uh, I'm going to also agree with you on a Ferrari driver winning the world championship. But I have Charles Leclerc as my 2022 driver's world champion. Um, It's going to be a very close battle. I think it's going to be a close battle. And we might even see um, it come down to the last race between three, four drivers. I think it's going to be that close this year. Um, But in the end, I think that Charles Leclerc will get a little bit of extra favor from the Ferrari team as he is a Ferrari Academy driver and might be, you know, just if he's been there a little bit longer, he might get some favors on strategy compared to Carlos Sainz. So I think I also agree. I think there's going to be a little bit of um, boiling points throughout the season between those two. Um, And a lot of it's going to come. We've seen Ferrari in the past favor one driver over the other very substantially in some key moments. So I think that is going to happen in favor of Charlotte Claire. And that's why I have him as a 2022 world champion. So based on my constructors, I was actually going to go, you know, Chris's direction. And uh, I, I, I genuinely think Carlos Sainz will be a world championship driver, but I don't think it's going to happen this season. Unfortunately, I, I, I think it's going to be very tight and I agree with Tyler that it's going to be come down to at three or four drivers. Um, and that could be any one of, you know, the six drivers from the top three teams. Uh, I can't even, you know, but I think in the end, um, I think Max Verstappen is going to be the world championship driver two years in a row. Because I think his biggest frustration to getting to be a world championship was Lewis Hamilton. And now that he's finally beaten Lewis Hamilton, I don't think we'll see a frustrated Max this year. We'll see the cool, calm, and relaxed Max that we saw at points last season, which gave him those, uh, which gave him those podiums and those first place finishes. I think that's what we'll see throughout the entire season because he's already gotten what he wanted. He's gotten that world championship title, and he's number one, guys. He's literally number one. <laughs> <laughs> so just for fun, I looked up what the Vegas odds are saying in uh, all of our favors. So for you, Shaker, Max Verstappen is a plus one eighty seven to win the title. So if you bet a dollar, you'll get uh, $2.87 return. Um, for myself, with Charles Leclerc, he is the third most favored driver to win the championship at plus 700. So if I bet a dollar, I'd get $8 in return. Um, and for you, Chris, Lando Norris, uh, Lando Norris, sorry, for me, he's, he's right below Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz is a plus 1,200 option to win the title. So if you bet a dollar, you get $13 return. And the one interesting driver that is in between Carlos Sainz, Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen, and Lewis Hamilton at number four, George Russell, plus 800. So don't count him out. He might be someone just to keep an eye on as well. But uh, yes, really, I thought I'd, for fun, throw some betting odds in there as well. So you're saying I could make some money. (laughs) I'm saying you could make some money. And if you want to parlay that, Chris... If you want to parlay that with a double of having, um, let's see, uh, where can I find Carlos Sainz? Where can I find Carlos Sainz and Red Bull winning? So Carlos Sainz winning a title and Red Bull winning the Constructors, your $1 bet would pay you $151. (laughs) So there there might be an option there for you. The trick to gambling is you just put a little bit of money in everything. (laughs) (laughs) My trick is I just never start, and then I just because yeah, like, a smart thing. 
Yeah, I, I've like never understood like the odds and stuff. Like I watch every you know UFC card and stuff like that, and they're like, "Oh, this person's plus." And I'm like, oh, "Okay, what does that mean?" Like, <laughs> That's a great fight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like thankfully John Annex, like a degenerate gambler, so he always explains yes. it pretty well. But like you just did, Tyler, just like okay, if you bet one dollar, then you get this in return. But other than that, I'm not sure. So um, yeah, maybe uh, we'll put a little bit of money on it, and by the end of the year, we'll all be millionaires. You never know. Maybe. I'm just hoping to make ten dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way to go about it. Yeah, the odds are certainly interesting, though, and yeah, it's it's funny how the three of us don't have uh, a Mercedes driver winning the championship this year. So it's interesting. We'll see what happens, but I definitely don't count them out just yet. And like I said, they still look very very quick. I think uh, once they've got all those little issues figured out. They should be pretty, pretty strong. But uh, I do think that Ferrari have made a step up. And I think that even Red Bull, you know, new new generation, the design, those side pods are pretty crazy as well. And it's really working for them. So it's an exciting time. And like I said, only a few days away. And we'll kind of get an idea of what the order will be like in the early part of the season. But then you have to factor in the development race, which could change the order by the midpoint and certainly by the end of the season. So as well with the constructor standings, comment your driver's championship predictions down below as well. So those are all of our season predictions. Uh, they're pretty wild. Well, not excuse me. They're not really that wild, but some of them are out there. They could be right. They could be wrong. We never know. But before we wrap up the podcast, do you guys have any final thoughts or comments on this upcoming 2022 season before we send it off? I can't wait for our Bahrain Grand Prix recap to just be like, wow, we were wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be just insanity. I don't think anyone's going to know what's going to be, what's going to happen. Um, I'm really, really intrigued. It's really the, one of the first times that I've got into a season not knowing what's going to happen at all. And not even having an inkling on, on who's going to be leading Bahrain, what's exactly how everything's going to shape out. So I'm really, really intrigued by that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm really excited to see uh, what happens with uh, with this season. And like my one thought to leave you with you guys, out of all the like good looking cars we've seen from the top ten like top ten teams, I still think Ferrari looks the best. Out of all of them, yeah. like that Ferrari red just hits me so hard every fucking time I see it. I, I think like out of all of them, it just looks so clean. Yeah, it is really, really nice. I mean, McLaren's a number two for me, but I also would agree Ferrari has a nice-looking car. Yeah, like, they're just, you know, they didn't change too much. They just kept it that Ferrari red, but it just, like, throughout the entire car, there's, like, not one line or logo where I'm like, that looks out of place. Mm -hmm. Like, it just very clean car out of all of them. And the mixing in with the black looks really nice, yeah, too. It's, yes. And I, and I think when they did it a few years back, I wasn't a fan of it. Well, I think Vettel's last year when they first did it. Yeah. I wasn't a huge fan of the black they added, but they, like, they looks, it looks really good on the car this year. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way where I think that one looks the most elegant. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, McLaren's got that wow factor. Yeah. And then, yeah, for me, it would probably be like Alpha Tauri is up there as well i just kind of went with alpha tower is my favorite livery just to be a little bit different but yeah i mean like all the cars they look really nice you know you don't really think like one livery is necessarily ugly mm -hmm. they all look really good and the cars look good too variety of designs even some of the wheel covers that I didn't like at first they look okay now so it, it's all looking positive positive at the start so 
think with like I, I don't know, I might be wrong, but I think just because like the cars look a little bit wider, the logos, like all the sponsorships and stuff, don't look so condensed on the car, which just makes every car look better too. You're not looking at this one spot and just seeing all brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, should be should be good. Looking very forward to the first race in Bahrain in a few days' time. And, of course, drop your predictions for the entire 2022 season down below. I'll say it again, too. If you correct, if you correctly predict the top 10 constructor standings, we will send you a prize at the end of the season. So make sure to comment it down below. Just before we sign off, basically to give you guys an idea of the content schedule in the coming weeks and months and just for the whole year, it's going to be relatively similar to what you saw last year. So, of course, we'll have the three of us coming on after every single race week to recap the race. Those are usually going to be out on Tuesdays and Wednesdays um, and maybe even a Monday here or there. But usually we'll record on a Monday or Tuesday and it will be out early in the race week. And then we've got before each race, of course, the A to Z guide or just your race preview before the race weekend. And then, of course, after the race, depending on what happens around the F1 world, we'll maybe do just a short little analysis or opinion piece and turn that into a video. And that will be just the rough idea for content schedule. I think if you guys notice, if you've been following us for quite some time now, we don't like to necessarily put out a direct schedule like on Tuesday or Friday, we'll put out this video because, you know, something happens always like a couple weeks ago. I just got a little bit under the weather and wasn't able to do videos during testing. So I never like to put a exact date on it and then not live up to that expectation. So to stick with us, of course, follow us on social media. All the links to that are in the description below. And then our YouTube channel and our community tab in the YouTube channel is also where we're posting some updates too. So follow us there as well. So any final I, comments from you guys? I, I, I was just saying, I'm going to say, I think we might even sprinkle a few live streams in there as well this season uh, as we did yeah, last year as well. Also, always lots of fun to do with you guys. So I think that'd be a, a lot of fun to uh, continue on this year. Yeah, and most likely around the sprint races, I'm assuming we'll be doing those live streams. So I think there's six planned this year. Four? Four, six? 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 I don't remember. Hey, honestly, I knew that neither do I. <laughs> I kind of forgot about sprint races that they existed. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could forget too. <laughs> I'm just yeah, I'm glad you brought up the live streams too. That actually slipped my mind. So yeah, we'll definitely do some live streams, uh, probably for races that are a little bit more closer to our time zone. But we're going to let you guys know well ahead of time before that happens. There's 23 races scheduled this year, so plenty of live stream opportunities for us as well. So that'll do it then for your 2022 Formula One season preview here on episode number 127 of the Backmarkers F1 Show podcast. Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to this episode, and we really hope that you guys stick with us for the entire 2022 season, and we hope you enjoy our coverage of F1 racing this year. So for Tyler McDonald and Shaker Barty, I'm Chris Cato. Enjoy the first race in Bahrain. We'll be with you shortly to recap all of the action. It's bye for now. Thanks again.